We've got a new theme as we start after Easter, um, and it's entitled for the next three or four weeks, Broken But Restored. Interesting, some of the songs we sang this morning, I didn't line this up with Salma and Jonathan, and, and Julia, although she emceed, she did, she, we hadn't talked about the details of everything that we were going to talk about. Interesting that the ladies kind of synced into that from yesterday. But you know, I've had, a, I, if I'm honest with you, and I want to be honest with you, I've had a dreadful week with stuff, you know, stuff coming at you. Last week was a four-day, or the, the week before last was a four-day week, and then last week was a four-day week, and suddenly it seemed like there was about seven days of work that needed to be done. And I just I honestly didn't know. I got up some mornings and just thought, I don't know how I'm going to get through today. And I'm just, just being honest with you, church. I want to be honest with you. I want to be real. Because for me, brokenness is a place that we do not stay. It's not a place that we remain in. You probably know people, maybe you've been there. Maybe it's happened for you. Maybe you're there right now where actually you're stuck in brokenness. And you might recognise this as a bit of a habit where we gather around and we hear the same story being played again and again and again. And somebody's stuck. It's a bit like when we had LPs. Do you remember those black things we used to put on record players? And they've been scratched and they go... As they kept on playing the same track. And, you know, the, the record... You, you had to move it on. And, and that, that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. We have to move on. And so sometimes we like to stay there. Sometimes we like to stay there for, for various reasons. Maybe it feels good. But you know, you've heard of things like uh, shopaholics, people who go shopping to make themselves feel better. And, and, and then it becomes a bit of a cycle where you haven't got enough money, so you go out shopping to make yourself feel better. But now you've got even less money or even greater debt. So that's one place where we get stuck. But the other place we get stuck is we don't deal with it. And we press it down. And, and this is where I want to share from today. I didn't want to press it down. I didn't just want to kind of hide it. I want to be a little bit raw with you today because I want to talk about some of, some of the things that I've battled with this week. Not, not, that, not that I want, I do not want you to join me in the pity party. I do not want you to feel sympathetic for me. I want to share victory. I want to share broken yet restored, or broken but restored. And, you know, many times if we stay in brokenness, if we decide to stay there, we make ourselves ill. You know, if you just keep on keeping it down, keep it, imagine, imagine you put a pot on the stove you fill it with water, you put a lid on it, and you turn it up as high as it will go. That's just like pressure. It's just like the week that I feel I've had. You know, and the water starts to boil. And then if you leave it going, then it starts to boil over. And the lid starts to come off. And what we try and do is we try and keep the lid on. We try and keep the lid on. And what that happens is that just, that's not good for the saucepan. It's not good for the, the, whatever's inside the saucepan. It's not good for us. We end up with ulcers. We end up with blood pressure issues. We end up with heart issues. And so I'm coming from a place of saying, okay, if there is brokenness, let's see it restored, let's see it sorted out, and then we can celebrate it. Now, what happens when you get injured? If you cut yourself, I've got a number of small cuts. I've got one on my thumb. I've got one in here when the, uh, where is it? Yeah, that, this hand. Yeah, there's, there's a scar there. You probably can't see it from the back. But you know those leads where you let the dog out and you let it run? And it's got a thin, thin cable. And uh, I was holding on to this cable, and my dog saw another dog. 
and it ran. And this cable just went straight through my hand and it's left a scar. But the point is, it hurt at the time, but the point is, it's healed now. So scars, you know, open wounds, we've got, we've got to deal with them, but once they're healed, they're, they're a sign of resolution, a sign of completeness. But they're a memory of a pain. I won't, I won't grab that cable again. I won't do that again. You know, I've learned. And so I want to talk about broken yet restored. Now let's, let's get into some Bible, shall we, this morning. Let's get into some Bible. We'll start with Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. God promises place where he can draw us in and one of the things that goes on in brokenness is we don't like you know sometimes stuff comes at you and I, I was I was thinking about it this morning I had Tuesday this week I I ended up having 13 meetings in my diary you know I started at eight o'clock in the morning and I was still doing meetings at seven o'clock at night now i again I do not want to sympathize that's bad diary management if I'm honest with you but it happens. And uh, I got to the middle of the day and I needed to do some stuff and I couldn't even see a space where I could walk the dog, you know, let alone do things. And I, I, I hope that you're em empathising with me and thinking, yeah, I've been there too in some way or other. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Do you know what? Just about 11 o'clock in the morning, I thought, I need a break, Lord. I need some space. I need to breathe. And I prayed. Just a little prayer. As I was making a coffee, I prayed. I said, Lord, can you help me right now? I need something right now. And I'd gone away from my computer, made myself a coffee, went back to the computer, sipping my coffee, just looking at Teams. And up popped three things. Somebody saying, Dave, I'm going to have to cancel my meeting this afternoon. Because it's got to move. Uh, so can we do it tomorrow? And now, it wasn't convenient to move it to tomorrow, but I'd ask God for space. So why would, I, why would I go, no, it's not convenient? But I moved it. Second one, somebody said, Dave, I found this. I thought it might be useful. I suddenly realized it was the thing that I was looking for that I needed to write. I just used some of the content, and that's what I talked about in a call later on in the day. And then the third thing was, somebody said, Dave, um, can, can we shorten our meeting? We've got an hour in the diary. I just need 15 minutes. We have, I've got lots of stuff going on. I thought, I feel like you. But suddenly, in less than 10 minutes, the time it takes to make a coffee, go back and sit and back at the computer. Do you know what? I honestly sat there at my computer with my hands up in the air as the next team's call started. And somebody looked at me. Do you know what? This is really, really interesting. My hands were up in the air. I went into the meeting just a couple of minutes early. No, one of my colleagues said, Dave, I listened to your Easter service last Sunday. And as everybody, you know, if, you, if you've been on a Teams meeting, people join. But whilst people are joining, people are chatting. And so she was chatting to me about our Easter service last Sunday. One of my colleagues, who I did, don't know whether she's a Christian or not, she was just talking about the service. As the whole of the rest of the team were joining. I think there was 10, 11 people joined the call. It wasn't me talking about church. It was one of my colleagues. And so I'm just so excited, I'm so thankful and so grateful that God 
is amazing. God is incredible. It says in Isaiah, and I kind of want to kind of start from some images here, a bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will bring forth justice in truth. When I'm weak, he makes me strong. Do you know, the first thing we need to do with that statement of truth is to acknowledge we're in a place of weakness. If we just brash it out and say, I'm okay, how are you? You, know, you know the kind of thing we do, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine, thank you very much. And there's a great big smile on our faces. And inside we're going, oh. I remember many, many years ago when Julia and I first got married, we used to go to an Anglican church over in Cookham. Um, and we came to that moment where you share the peace. And so you may have heard me share this story before now. And uh, we got to the moment where we're sharing the peace and people were going around hugging, some people were shaking hands. And uh, went up to this, young, this lady, who, uh, jo- Joanna would have been about this tall, you know, she's quite a short lady. And uh, she came and she, we shook hands and uh, she mumbled, peace of the Lord be with you. And I said, and also with you. And, uh, but she didn't look at me. And I just felt a little uncomfortable. So I said, Joanna, can we, can we do that again, please? And c- can we look at one another? And so she looked up at me and I looked at her and we shook hands and I shared the peace with her and she just burst into tears. And we, we got to talk and to pray. Yeah, and that's a moment where she was just going through the motions. And church, we don't need to go through the motions. That's what church is about. Church is about being real. The ladies yesterday, I'm sure, were being real together. Talking about life, talking about stuff, praying about things. BT says it's good to talk. Well, that might be true, but actually if we just move conversations around, you know, how does that help us? We need to have a vertical dimension to our conversation. You might talk to me about a problem you have, or I might talk to you about something I'm struggling with. I guess I'm doing that now. And you might go, I I don't want to, sorry, I remember somebody at church many years ago saying to me, Dave, I don't want to hear about your troubles. And I said, please don't put me on that pedestal. I'm just human like the rest of us. And actually, when we struggle, we, we share that reality. But if you don't have a vertical relationship as well, I've just given you something to worry about. You're now worrying about Dave. Well, don't worry about me. You know, take, it to the, take it to the source. Take it to the solution. Take it to, the, to our God. And so if, a, if it's true that a problem shared is a problem halved, I used to be a maths teacher many years ago. So if Yasmin shares a problem with me, now I've got half of her problem, and she's still got half of her problem. Now if I tell Julia about it, now she's got a quarter of Yasmin's problem. But do you see what goes on here? We never, ever lose any bits of the problem. They just get moved around the economy of life. And actually, as soon as we start taking it vertical, as soon as we start praying and asking God, suddenly that which was my problem, I've now given to him. And so it's great to acknowledge that we can be weak and we need help. And then we can start to get some strength because a bruised reed will not break. God will bring his strength to strengthen us. God will bring his vitality to help us to step out of the wind or step into the wind, to take hold of the storm that is coming, or just to stand. Sometimes the greatest thing that can come is somebody just to come alongside and just hold our hand or stand there and be with us. I reached out to someone, uh, someone I play with from time to time this week, and, just, and all he did was, he said, Dave, let's talk. Got onto a Zoom call, we had 
30 minutes together, I came off those 30 minutes feeling I wasn't alone. So, you know, let's not, let's not develop the economy of a problem shared is a problem halved unless we're going to take it vertical to God. Sorry. In Matthew 12, verses 17 to 21, this scripture so spoke to me this week. And, and this is uh, the message version. Look well at my hand-picked servant. I love him so much. Take such delight in him. I've placed my spirit on him. He'll decree justice to the nations. But I won't yell, won't raise his voice. There'll be no commotion in the streets. He won't walk over anyone's feelings, won't push you into a corner. Before you know it, his justice will triumph. And the mere sound of his name will signal hope, even amongst far-off unbelievers. What name, whose name am I talking about? The name of Jesus. The name above all names. We sang that today. The name above all names. If there's one name you need on your doorpost, if there's one name you need on your doorframe, if there's one name you need on your screensaver on your computer, it's Jesus. And I'd recommend, if, if you're someone who has screensavers on your computer, have something popping up from time to time that encourages you. There's lots of apps out there to drive those kind of things and encourage those kind of things. Let's get our eyes off the challenge and heavenward. Psalms talks about, I will lift mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. One of the things about getting our eyes on the problem is we become very short-sighted. We don't see the bigger picture. We don't see that God could be involved. And, and what was a molehill becomes a mountain. Something so small suddenly takes a completely different perspective. And some of you will have heard this story before now, but it, it, it so well illustrates this. I used to teach in Papua New Guinea, and Papua New Guinea is a tropical country. And it's full of creepy crawlies and snakes and other very creative things. I've just seen one or two people go. <laughs> um, and, you know, mosquitoes. And you sleep under a mosquito net in those kind of places. So... I was sleeping under this mosquito net. I'd woken up. I guess it would have been five o'clock in the morning. And there was a monster on my pillow. An enormous monster. I just felt like, I almost wondered whether I'd woken up or not. It felt like there was a, a dragon or something that was about to eat me. And I leapt out of bed, pulled down the, 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 um, the mosquito net off the ceiling, literally ripped it from the ceiling, and then stood looking at my bed. And on my pillowcase was a praying mantis. Now, praying mantis would have been about this long. But when it's right in your face, it looked enormous. It looked very scary. Close-up praying mantises do look scary. But, you know, when I then looked at this praying mantis that I could step on if I wanted to, I didn't. I picked it up and handed it out, got it out of the room. But in that moment, I felt... But you know we need to get a perspective. So lift our eyes up. Let's look at the bigger picture. Let's allow God to show us what he wants to show. Let's allow God to show us what's going on. Because sometimes, because of our small perspective, we think there's no solution. We only have to step back a little bit and go, not a problem. Not a problem. When I was a little child, I used to love building dams on beaches or sandcastles. Julie would tell you, even since we got married, with a niece and nephew, I'd build a big sandcastle, and I loved the sea coming in. I wanted to see, I'd build a big sandcastle and, and want to stay until it had gone. 
I built this great big sandcastle with Jake and Lauren many, many years ago. And it was a great big sandcastle. And we had to wait for a long time for the tide to come in and to wash it away. But they wanted to stand and watch that sandcastle. But sometimes I would build dams. And there's a particular beach in Cornwall um, where there's two rocks and there's a river that runs through it. And me and my family, another family, we used to go there from time to time and we'd take garden spades. And the whole idea was you'd start building a dam between the two rocks. And then you'd get to a point, as, as the water started to catch behind it, where it was all rushing through this narrow bit. And then you had to all, everybody had to get space. And you had to throw lots of sand there just to finish off the dam. And then you created a little swimming pool. But you know what? What I didn't realise until I was much older was that we ended up flooding the beach. Because I didn't have the bigger <laughs> picture. Because <laughs> there were these two rocks and there was this pool. And it, just, it just got bigger. There was a river flowing, a stream flowing through there. And we were just interested in the... But actually, we were making the beach smaller and smaller because this swimming pool was getting bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually you just made a gap in it and away it flowed again. But I didn't have the bigger picture. I didn't have the bigger picture. So let me encourage you. Step back. Allow God to show you what he's doing. Lift your eyes up and look to God. Jeremiah 29 says this, and we know this well. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Do you know what? God does not deal with us in small pieces. If you want, if you want to spoil a book, go to the back end of the book and read the last few pages of the book, and then you know where it's going to go. Some people do that. I don't know why, but I like the surprise. But you know what? The ending in God's book for us is good. God wants to give us a hope. He wants to give us hope. He wants to continue to give us hope. And when we're in the midst of the battle, the storm, the worry, we're kind of focused on the storm. How am I going to stay in the boat? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And I just sense that God says, it's okay. It's only a storm. Only a couple of weeks ago, was it the week before last, there was a hailstorm? It didn't last that long. You wouldn't want to be out in it. It would have hurt. But once it's over, it's over. And sometimes we just need to endure a storm. Sometimes we need someone to stand with us. And here's the interesting thing. We learn things in the midst of deserts, storms. We learn things in the midst of those moments. Sometimes we pray, God, get me out of here. And I just sense God saying, I'm with you. Why do you want me to get you out of here? Let me walk with you through the trouble, through the worry. Let me show you that I'm faithful and true. In Psalm 34, verse 18, it says this, If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. Again, the message version of Psalm 34, verse 18. There are things that happen in life that break our hearts. Sad things. We have to go through moments of distress and worry and loss. But God is with us in the midst of these times. Also in the book of Psalms, David was great at writing these things. He knew what it was like. In Psalm 147, he says, He heals those who have broken hearts. He takes care of their wounds. Now, why does God take care of our wounds? Because he wants us to have scars that are signs of victory. Now that scar on my hand, 
It's a memory. You know, I won't do it again. But it, it's a sign of something that I've learned. It's something I've been through. And there's a tradition in Japan called Kintsugi. If you remember Philippa Hanna, she came and she spoke for us, to us a couple of years ago. She actually mentioned this principle. And Kintsugi is a principle of taking something that is broken and repairing it with lacquer and with, with gold inside the lacquer. And so something which is broken, that is, is you, you imagine this bowl with all those pieces. It's no longer good as a bowl. You can't use it as a bowl at all. But by repairing it with the gold, suddenly it becomes functional again, and it becomes beautiful. And the scars become a sign of completeness, not a sign of emptiness. And I don't believe God wants us to be broken. He doesn't want us to stay broken. He recognises that we end up being broken sometimes because of stuff that happens. But if we come to him and say, Lord, help me, what can he do? Isaiah 61, verse 3. Firstly, in the message version. We know, we know Isaiah 61 well, but what this says, to care for the needs of all who mourn in Zion, give them bouquets of roses instead of ashes, messages of joy instead of news of doom, a praising heart instead of a language spirit, renaming us oaks of righteousness planted by God to display his glory. We know there are stories, as Jesus talked about it, where he looked at a fig tree that had nothing on it, no blossom, no fruit, to cut it down and chuck it on the fire. But you know, God wants us to be fruitful. God wants us to be healthy. And so let me read it in maybe a more familiar version. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they shall be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. As I kind of bring this all together, I want to start by saying, firstly, let me encourage you, don't live in brokenness. If you need someone to pray with you, we'll pray with you. If you need to talk to someone, people can talk with you. Find someone who you trust, those, those at home. Find someone you trust and, and just be real with how you are. And be real with God. In the same way that in the stories that I've told you today, we can turn to someone and say, I'm okay, thanks very much. And inside we're crying out. We can do the same to God. God's saying, Dave, how are you today? I'm okay, God. And God's going, I know you're not, but until you're willing to talk to me about it, we're not going to learn together. And when I got to, the, a few moments this week where I got to, yeah, almost head in the hands prayers. I'm glad my hands caught my head, by the way. Um, but, uh, yeah, just breathing. Just breathing and being still. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. In those moments, we can just go, God, I... I'm sorry about the man. Sometimes it's because of our sin. Sometimes it's because of things we haven't done right. Again, let's turn to God. He's bigger than that. He's bigger than you know, our problems. He's bigger than the things we've done wrong. He made a way back. That's his son, Jesus. That's what we celebrated last Sunday. We celebrated an empty cross. We celebrated an empty tomb because Jesus is risen. He's paid the price for you and me. And consequently, 
The Father looks at us and goes, okay, you got it wrong. But as I look at you through Christ, I see him. I don't see your wrongdoing. So let me encourage us. I just want to bow our heads and just have a few thoughts as I kind of close, but I want to pray too. I firstly want to pray for those who are right in the midst of a storm right now. Uh, You're coping, but you're not really. The song we sang all through the storm, your love is the anchor. My hope is in you. And so, Father God, if that's where we're at, Lord, we come to you. And the first thing, Lord, we do is we hold out our hands and say, I'm sorry, Lord, if we got it wrong. I'm sorry. Here's part of the mess that I created. But would you help me to find a way out this and through this? I, I turn from the, the wrong thoughts, the wrong do, deeds, the wrong activities that I've been involved in. Lord, I want to walk your ways. I want to walk your way today. Lord, would you walk with me? Father God, would you walk with me? And in those moments, I just sensed the Father would encourage us to lift up our heads and instead of looking at the problem, looking at the mess, he says, look at me. Just look like, like I did with Joanna. Look at me. Let's have a real conversation right now. I can help you. I can hold you. I can journey with you. You are not alone. My hope is in you alone. And so, God, we come to you as the author and perfecter of our faith, and we say, Lord, have your way in our midst. Repair some of these, some of these open wounds, Lord. I pray that you'd repair them. You'd restore them. You'd complete them. You'd heal them. Lord, and they become beautiful memories of a victory that's been won of a corner that's been turned, of a completed chapter, of the end to something, and a new chapter begins. Secondly, I want to pray for those who I just feel like they're sitting on top of a volcano. Stuff's bubbling, boiling, you just sense the pressure behind you, and there seems to be no answer. Well, when was the last time you or I talked about it to Father God? He already knows, but he wants a conversation. And when I say a conversation, I don't just mean him, us telling him about it, because he knows already, but us listening. Maybe getting a bigger perspective. Maybe seeing that bigger picture. Maybe seeing that actually this is a tiny pimple of a volcano. There's bigger stuff going on. And so, Father, help us to share with you. Help us to share with one another. Help us not to need to cope all the time. Help us let go sometimes and let you have your way in our midst. Often you change us as the circumstances change. Thank you that you get our eyes off worries and troubles and onto you. And thirdly and finally, I want to pray for anybody who doesn't even feel that you can talk to God. What you've done is too bad, or maybe you don't know the God that I'm talking about. I want to encourage you, have a go. Talk to the Father. Come before him. Find a quiet place. Sit down and have a chat. And just be still. As David wrote in Psalms, be still and know that he 
is God. A week after Easter, I don't know what the disciples would have been feeling, but he was with them two weeks ago, and now he's dead, but he's risen again. And there are so many stories of him returning to be with the disciples and break bread with them and gather with them on the beach. That Jesus that I'm talking about right now is there for you too. Why didn't you get to know him as your friend and saviour? Amen. So I do want to give us a space for prayer later on in the service. Um,